Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter, and I'm back, right? Spent some time on the reserve COVID list. And let me tell you, what a pain. Though, fortunately, we're, all, you know, I'm okay. Everyone, my whole family's okay. You know, we all had it at some point here. But man, it's been a long three plus weeks here. Talk about cabin fever, right? Because we couldn't all get COVID at the same time. No, no, no. It had to be one at a time, basically one a week for the four of us in the family. So now we're sitting here. We're almost at a month. The two-year-old basically hasn't been out of the house in three plus weeks. So it's been a rough ride here. But we're all healthy. We made it through. That's what's important. And nobody really wants to hear about my experience with COVID. Had like a minor cold. That's, that's what it felt like. So, but a lot has happened. A lot has happened since we last had an episode. Brian Dayball was hired as the head coach. Mike Kafka is the offensive coordinator. Pat Graham is a goner. He left. Giants in the process right now. This is taping this on Tuesday morning. In the process of hiring a new defensive coordinator, I'll tell you who I think that's going to be in just a little bit. I think there's a heavy favorite. Uh... Brian Flores sued the Giants, calling his interview a sham interview. So there's a lot to unfold there as well. Brandon Brown's a new assistant general manager. Kevin Abrams, he has a new title. So we have a lot to catch up with. I'm going to give you everything I know on these situations. Everything I know on these situations for the most part. And I'm going to go piece by piece right here, get to some of your questions, and then we'll try and double up on a second podcast later this week. So busy week, busy times with the Giants, a lot going on. So let's start with the fact that Brian Dable is the new Giants head coach. No surprise there, right? We kind of knew when this process started, especially once Joe Shane is hired as the head coach, that Brian Dable is the favorite. He has the connection to Joe Shane. He's the one candidate who's on the offensive side of the football, which quite frankly, gives him a little bit of a built-in advantage. Because if you think about it, and trust me, this played into the equation. Okay, let's say they hire Brian Flores and he brings Bill O'Brien, which is one of the names you heard, as his offensive coordinator. Now, Bill O'Brien, by the way, has a better, better track record as a head coach than Brian Flores, right? So the second they have any success, Bill O'Brien's going to get hired as a head coach. So now you're going to have to sort of reshuffle your offense again. That's kind of what is one of the concerns with Brian Flores in the first place. Brian Dayball is the built-in offensive coordinator. I know they hired Mike Kafka, and I'll get to that in one second. But so this, this, this was his advantage a little bit. Also, that built-in relationship with Joe Shane. Joe Shane had a lot of say in this. He was driving the head coaching search. Ultimately, ownership had to approve it. And but they're not there. If if Joe Shane is super insistent on wanting Brian Dayball, right, during and after the interview process. Giants ownership is not then going to shoot down and emasculate their new general manager in order to bring in another head coach. And Brian Flores, from everything that I heard about this whole process, John Mara was his biggest supporter. In the end, I think what hurt him the most from what I heard was kind of what went down in Miami, right? If you have two candidates you really like, and my belief is those two were the two finalists, Brian Dable and Brian Flores. You know, Dan Quinn ha had an impressive interview from what I heard. I'm not sure he was going to get it. I don't think he would have gotten it. I doubt he would have gotten it. 
So he pulled out. He kind of, you know, was able to read the room there. Leslie Frazier, uh, good candidate. Obviously, Joe Shane likes him. But when you're in the situation the Giants are, were they really going to hire a 63-year-old head coach when they're kind of in a rebuild situation? So I know I wasn't sure that that ever that ever made sense. And then Patrick Graham, while the Giants liked him, maybe in an in a completely clean situation, Patrick Graham would have been able to win this job. And I really do think he probably would have been able. He he, he would have been really close in there. But the public perception of the whole situation after everything that went down, it really wasn't going to be feasible to bring in Patrick Graham as the coach. That wouldn't have, that wouldn't have portrayed enough change to the fan base. And I think the Giants recognize that. Now, they wanted to keep Patrick Graham. They wanted to have him as the defensive coordinator. Heck, Brian Dable at his press conference flat out said he expected Patrick Graham to return. But did Patrick Graham really want to return? And everything played into it, right? He is friendly with Brian Flores. So that was a factor, the whole lawsuit. But the biggest factor from what I heard so far was that, remember, Patrick Graham and Joe Judge are really close, right? They're very friendly. Joe Judge, the, their feeling, Joe Judge's feeling, Patrick Graham's feeling, was that the carpet was kind of pulled out from under him. They were promised all this time. They were promised time to get this right. And remember, Joe Judge's line was, I'm not going to take shortcuts. We're going to do this the right way. You know, and, and that meant go through the whole process of basically rebuilding that roster. And so they feel that the rug was pulled out. He was misled by ownership, told he was going to basically be back. All throughout this season, that there was anything, there was nothing to worry about. And then guess what happened? You know, Steve Tisch, you know, asserted some of his power. And Joe Judge is no longer around. You know, the Joe Steve Tisch and, and then asserted his power. And then John Mara agreed that for the benefit of the franchise, they needed to move on. And that's kind of why Patrick Graham had the opportunity, because the Giants had to give him the opportunity, right? Because they did it to all their coaches. Hey. We're sitting here. We don't have a new head coach. You are free to go look at other jobs because we don't have a head coach. A lot's going to change. We can't guarantee that the new head coach is going to want to keep you. So now you are you have the freedom to go talk with other teams. Now, even when the Giants hire a head coach, they can't just rescind that to Patrick Graham. They already offered him that opportunity. So then Vegas comes open. His buddy, the guy he worked with, knows closely, uh, Josh McDaniels, has an opening. And Patrick Graham jumps and goes, quick on Mike Kafka for a second. Mike Kafka, the new offensive coordinator, comes from Kansas City. Now, one of the things you heard from Kansas City, he was like the passing game coordinator, quarterback's coach. But one of the things you heard from Kansas City in recent years that Andy Reid was really pushing uh, Eric Bieniemy to try and become a, a coach elsewhere because... He wanted to be able to promote Mike Kafka, similar to what happened with Doug Peterson and Eric Bieniemy. Like they they knew that if they they thought they would be able to they would lose I think Eric Bieniemy at the time. They said, oh, you know, Doug, he was pushing Doug Peterson on other teams to become a head coach. Same thing here, because he knew how good Mike Kafka is. Now we'll see ultimately if that's true. Andy reads the play caller there. We kind of all realize that he runs the show, but Mike Kafka comes with a really good reputation. And let's be quite honest with what's going on with the Giants. Brian Dayball ultimately is the offensive coordinator. That's his baby. That's going to be his baby. Whether he calls plays or not, we'll see. I heard the intention, I believe, is that Mike Kafka might call plays. Might is likely to call plays, maybe I should say. 
but there's still time for that. I mean, we'll see if uh, Brian Dable truly wants to allow in his first time as head coach someone else. I mean, that's his. That's what his specialty is, right? So let's go for a second to the big story: is that Brian Flores filed his suit against the Dolphins for their owner basically allegedly uh, asking him to tank the NFL, the whole hiring process, and the Giants and the Broncos for their what he called a sham sham interviews. Now, the key to me, and I was watching a lot of this unfold, is when Brian Flores' attorneys, and this I'm talking about the Giants topic, when Brian Flores' attorneys went on, and they were on ESPN, and they were on CBS, and they insisted that the job was promised, the job was promised to Brian Dable before he even interviewed. This is when the whole Bill Belichick text went down. We'll get to those in a second. And while it's semantics, but it's important semantics, do we really think the Giants are promising the job to somebody? That John Mara, Steve Tisch are promising the job to somebody before they sit down and interview. Remember, they had like a real quick introductory interview over Zoom with Brian Dable, but that was before his playoff game. So it wasn't like this big, extensive, long interview process. Do we really think a bill, the billion-dollar organization is offering him or promising him the job? I don't think that's the case. Now, do I think he was the favorite? Do I think they expected him to ultimately get the job? I do. But do I think he was, and this is what Brian Flores' attorney says, he was promised the job, and they're taking that off the Bill Belichick text, which is another thing. I mean, for a second, let's talk about the, the text, the Bill Belichick text. Okay, he texts the wrong Brian. He texts Flores instead of apparently Dayball, and he says the my people. I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now. With the Giants and the Bills, said the job's going to him. Now, if if there's any sort of email or text that comes to light, that's from the na last name of Mara, Tish, or McDonald to McDonald. Remember, he's really part of the Mara family. Saying that Brian Dable was going to get hired, then the Giants are in trouble, and deservedly so. Because then the job basically was promised. If ownership says it, it's different. Then, you know, you have to take that and with, like, a, all seriousness. If that occurred by anyone with those last names, and they sent that to Bill Belichick, and it comes to light, like, they're, they might be forced to sell the team. Like, that's the, that's the level that this would probably hit. Because then it was a sham interview. Then they were just interviewing uh, Patrick Graham and actually not Patrick Graham because he doesn't count for the Rooney uh, Bri uh Brian Flores and Leslie Frazier strictly to fulfill the requirements of the Rooney rule. And really, I had this conversation with Matthias Kiwanuka on the air recently. All this is really taking away from what the big picture is and that there's something wrong with the process right now. There's something inherently wrong with the selection of head coaches in the NFL. Because there are all these black candidates. There are all these black players. And somehow, the black candidates keep going in for interviews and not landing the job. Now, I'm not flat saying that the owners are racist. But there's something in the process that is affecting the ability of black head coaches to get jobs. The Giants happen to be one of the teams. Never had a black head coach. You'd be remiss to, to not talk about the fact that they did have a black general manager for, what, 10 years? Seven to 17 for a decade. But still, they've interviewed black head coaches over these last couple searches, and none of them have gotten a job. Is there something there? 
I don't know if we'll ever know. But something has to be done for this in this in a big picture view for the system so that everybody does get a fair shot. I don't know what the answer is. The Rooney rule, in a way, does create sham interviews. And I think that's a problem. Do I think that was the case here? I do not fully believe that was the case here. I think the Giants, I think Brian Flores was a real candidate. I mean, his biggest supporter was John Mara, but he did not get the job. And now it's kind of coming off as sour grapes. But to me, there is merit in some of what he's saying on a big picture scale. Not sure I agree that the job was promised to a guy before, because remember, the Bill Belichick text happened on a Monday. Brian Dable's interview wasn't until Tuesday. I believe Dan Quinn was also Tuesday. Wednesday was Patrick Graham. Thursday was Brian Flores. Friday is Leslie Frazier. And on Friday night, they have a hire. So that's the timeline. Brandon Brown, talk about that for a quick second. He's the new assistant general manager. Kevin Abrams, his title was changed. He gave up the assistant general manager title. Um, look, Kevin Abrams would be the general manager of this team if the Giants had any success. It was basically getting set up for the Giants to go from Dave Gettleman to Kevin Abrams. And I think Joe Judge would have been fine with that, all right with that. He had a good relationship with Kevin Abrams, but they all know everything that went down, the failure that they had, it was going to be impossible to make that transition, right? This organization needed change. And that's why the Giants went outside the organization for the first time in ever with hiring of Joe Shane, right? So now they bring in Brandon Brown. He's the assistant general manager, comes from the Eagles. What I heard about him is he's smart, worked his way up. People like when, when guys work their way up and they're not just like handed stuff. Still growing. My th These are some of the comments I, I've heard on him from people around the league. Now, he had worked primarily on the pro side. I believe this past year was the first time he really kind of went heavier on the college side. So he's a pro personnel guy. That's why you saw Mark Kahn's, who was Dave Gettleman's right-hand man, get relieved of his duties, even though free agency is upcoming. And you're going to see this more and more as we move forward. But for now, these were the main moves. And I think you're going to see the, more, the, the rest of the moves for the front office are going to come after the draft. So the future of people like Chris Pettit, who a lot of people like to ask me about, of a lot of the scouts, uh, the personnel people, they're, they're going to, a lot of them are going to be, my opinion, we'll see how this unfolds, but I think there'll be a big shakeup in, those, in a lot of those areas. Now, Tim McDonald remains as the, he was the co-director of player personnel with Mark Hans. He obviously remains. He's the director now of pro person of player personality but remember he's ownership he's not getting fired chris mara he's ownership he's not getting fired if you own the team would you fire your 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 nephew would you would chris mara fire himself he owns the team and by the way the idea that they don't have influence that they don't have authority boy has that been proven to be a total crock because you're reading the lawsuit from brian flores who's the one reaching out to the coaches who's the one doing a lot of that legwork tim mcdonald Who's sitting in every interview, every GM interview? Who was there? Chris Mara. Every coaching interview live, in person, who was there? Chris Mara. It's fine, right, that, that you have family involved. And I would never suggest that they fire them or, or kick them out of the organization. Like, this is their family business. Of course they should be in there. That's what people do in this, in, in this world. You have, a you have a business? You have a family business? You give your family members jobs. 
and that's fine. But let's not pretend like John Mara did in that press conference like back last month. They have no authority. I mean, come on. They, uh, they, there's, they don't have more say. They're, they don't have more sway, their voice, and their opinions more than, you know, Joe Schmo. Come on. We're not going to believe that, are we? Especially after seeing everything that's unfolded here in the last few weeks. That's ridiculous. Now, you do realize this is a big part of the general manager job in general. And this is why, in retrospect, Jerry Reese did a great job. He was able to quill ownership to kind of keep him on the outskirts for long enough where to keep them at bay, right? Where they weren't fiddling and involved too much. And then when things started to go bad, that's when kind of ownership seemed to be getting involved more and more and more. And then you saw the, this team go off the tracks more and more and more. Well, that's now Joe Shane's maybe biggest job, to keep ownership in check. And that's going to be a tough job. The Giants setup is interesting, for sure, for sure. And this process has only further validated that. I'm talking about the GM hire and the coaching hire. Has only further validated that there's a heavy influence on ownership in the front office of this team. So it'll be interesting to see. It's sort of like a politician. How does Joe Shane handle that? How do you accept their opinions without, you know, without allowing them too much influence? And it's not their, it's it's not like Tim McDonald's fault. Like he may not be pushy or or uh, you know, throwing his weight around as as essentially he's a Mara. He's John's nephew. His, his mom, I believe, is John's sister. It's not that he's throwing his weight around. Just by talking naturally, though, it puts pressure on other people. It's sort of like the Jewish guilt type thing. Like your mother tells you to do something in, in trying to guilt you to do to get it done. It's like it holds a little more sway and a, more, a little more power than if random person tells you the same thing. So good luck to Joe Shane on that end. Let's answer some of your questions. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ah, yes. It's that time of the program where I answer all your deepest, darkest, Giants questions in Giants after dark. All right. We're back. I got... I believe seven questions for you. Then we'll do a little uh, Jordan on the beat. We'll get out of here. Number one, the defensive coordinator search as ever. A lot of people wanted to ask me at Chavi Halpert asks, is Wink Martindale the favorite for the DC job? Well, okay. Let me say this. When the process started, right. And you heard that Brian Dayball was going through the coaching search. The name that you heard it linked to him and attached to him. Is Wink was Wink Martindale. So I don't think that changes. He might be interviewing more people, keeping an open mind. That's great. That's fine. But if this was the guy he proposed in the interviews, either Patrick Graham or Wink Martindale, I would be surprised if Wink Martindale is not the hire. Now we're sitting here on Tuesday morning. Something's going to happen pretty soon, within the next probably day or so. And I expect it to be Wink Martindale. I'd be surprised if they go in any other direction besides that. 
Uh, I mean, look at his track record. I spoke to players who told me the best defensive coordinator, a veteran player who played for multiple teams, multiple coordinators, the best defensive coordinator he's ever played for. I mean, look at, and look at his track record. It was three years of, you know, top 10 defenses. And this past year, injuries, they kind of fell apart. Aggressive approach. And this is important because, and look, I was in Philadelphia when Andy Reid was there. And Andy Reid, remember, he comes, he's a quarterback's coach. Coming from Green Bay, coaches offense his whole life. He's a quarterback's coach, gets the head coaching job. You know, his baby is going to be the offense. He hires at the time, I don't know how many of you guys remember him, Jim Johnson, a veteran defensive coordinator, really, really good coach. He basically was hired as the defensive head coach, ran the show on the other side. Andy Reid, he didn't have anything to do with the defense. That was Jim Johnson's defense. And that's kind of the situation that Brian Dable's in here. Offensive coach, that's his specialty. That's his baby. He needs to hire that veteran defensive coach on the other side where that guy's going to run the show, and you're going to say, okay, that's your defense. You're the defensive head coach. Go. Because it's Brian Dayball, who has spent his whole entire career running offense, going to go in there, let's say, when he hires Wink Martindale or Jim Schwartz and teach that guy about defense. No. Wink Martindale or Jim Schwartz or uh, Steve Wilkes, they know uh, 10 times more about defense than Brian Dable. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, 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 think, I think it's going to be Wink Martindale. Uh, that is the likelihood and definitely the favorite in my mind. The, at the captain 66 says, Jordan, what do you make of the changes so far to the staff and front office? Seems to signal a real, capital letters, new era with a competent GM who has control and not Mara. Is it actually happening? Well, ownership is in nothing to me has really changed that much. It's about having a competent GM, though. So the bar, it was so low that I mentioned this in the last podcast, that to me, the, uh, the upgrade is so big at general manager. Now, because you have a more competent general manager, more confident, and you're more confident in his ability, you're obviously naturally going to be more hands-off. A little bit. I'm talking about relative. I'm not saying they're going to be completely hands-off. And you're going to let him make more of the decisions rather than influencing the influencing decisions. Yeah, you're going to okay them in the end. But, yeah, it's a huge upgrade. Uh, bringing in guys like uh, Brandon Brown, you like those kind of things. Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka. The, the key phrase you keep hearing, in even though they're press releases, in these things is he's uh, progressive. Basically, and now, now I'm going to start paraphrasing, but I, I believe that's been a term that they use. He's open-minded, right? He's progressive, innovative. So these are things. The Giants are going to become a way more modern franchise, and I think you see that with all these hires. Mike Kafka, right? 36 years old, I believe he is. Some, somewhere in that range, like 30s. Like, uh, innovative. You know, think outside the box kind of guys. Like, that's what you seem to be getting here. Joe Shane, way more... Uh, technologically and analytically advanced. And you're going to see this with the Giants organization. So I do that to me. That to me is the biggest thing that I've seen so far. Uh, no, question number three, at Raunchy ATM. I kind of mentioned this before. Do you expect Chris Pettit to be around for much longer? Uh, I, okay. I do expect him to at least be around until the draft. 
And then you know what? He's going to be evaluated like everybody else, right? He's going to be evaluated, and then Joe Shane will make a decision on him. Maybe Joe Shane likes him. Maybe his evaluations are really good. We don't know. Now, there's been so many mistakes, and he's been involved, and he was had a lot of influence in his past few uh, drafts and free agent classes and everything that it's hard to imagine he's so good. He was so good with his evaluations, and they end up in this situation right now. But, hey, that's for Joe Shane to decide, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But expect changes to the Giants scouting staff in front office right after the draft. Uh, question number four, at Daniel O'Connell. O'Connell DJ says, what happened to the carpenter? Yeah, what happened to the carpenter? He was supposed to host an episode of Breaking Big Blue, but he never surfaced. Instead, and this is what happens. We're in a copycat society, right? There's so many wannabes out there that now we have the carpenter all over it, Twitter. And now the carpenter is just some guy throwing darts. He's taking, you know, some of the hints that are out there and throwing them at the, at the wall and then hoping they stick, you know, guesses left and right. And then there's so many, you know, pretend carpenters out there now. So now the actual real carpenter who seemed to be a, a one-off, you know, he's now been lost in the shuffle by all these phony wannabes. So what happens in this world. You have one successful guy, and everybody wants to be like him, and yet all these, you know, cheap, pathetic knockoffs. Yeah, I'm talking about all you fake carpenters out there. Enough with you. I don't need your fake carpenter anymore. Uh... Question number five. We got got to pop up this question here because we're going to Instagram. Elijah Mendez. And his question is, Jordan Hopeball as well. Uh, there was a report that stated a lot of scouts don't think any of the QBs in this draft are starters, which is crazy to think. But if one of these QBs do slide, would it shock you if the Giants took one and say round two or three? Now, I will say, I haven't done a lot of work on the quarterbacks yet. But, 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 spoke to two people who were not impressed with the quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl. So, made me think, like, if, I mean, I'm talking about really not impressed, like you said. Now, do I think that they're not going to be quarterbacks in the first round? Of course, there's going to be quarterbacks in the first round. But if one or two of them that they do like does slide to round two or three, absolutely, I could see them doing that. It is the most important position in football. You, I'm actually a big believer. You keep stocking up on quarterbacks. I would take one almost every year, every other year until I hit the hit on the position. So why not? If a quarterback is available in round two or three that you like, that thing can be can turn into a starter, you take that chance. It's that important a position. So I absolutely, absolutely can see that being a possibility. Question number six. We've got Bobby Angus. Bobby shot takes. What is the most desirable trade piece the Giants have that isn't a draft pick? Okay, now I was trying to go over this. There isn't a lot of really valuable trade pieces. It's like Saquon Barkley on the last year's deal at $7 million. Not that desirable, right? Yeah, good, decent player. I'd like to have him on my team if I'm these other teams. But at $7, 8000000 million and on an expiring contract, how desirable is that? Sterling Shepard, not desirable. Torres Achilles. Leonard Williams, not desirable. Getting paid like, you know, almost in Aaron Donald's range. Uh, James Bradbury, not, I mean, not that desirable. Getting paid a lot of money. Like, yeah, can you get rid of him? He's desirable, but not like a desirable player is a player who you think 
can be a really good player, and he's cheap and signed long-term. So the only player that really fits that category for me would be Andrew Thomas, but they can't trade Andrew Thomas. They're not trading Andrew Thomas, so he's not even a, a desirable piece, trade piece, because he's not going to be up for trade. So maybe Kadarius Tony, maybe, would be the most desirable trade piece, because he has that talent. He flashed that talent. Now you're concerned right now about his injury history, which does hurt his value a little bit. Like, can you swap? Can you swap him right now for a first round pick? Probably not, even though he was a first-round pick last year and he flashed some talent. Because he got all these injuries, he didn't play. He wasn't on the field. So I think you may be able to swap him for like a high second. But who else on the Giants is bringing back a first-round pick? Xavier McKinney maybe could also bring back a second-round pick. I could see that. But again, he exhausted two years of his rookie contract. So that's some of his value. So he was drafted as a second-round pick, played to that level. But now you lost half of his four years. Four cheap years. So that decreases a player's value a little bit. Question seven comes from Bobby Skinner. Frauds on the loose? Question mark? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll get to that in a second. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, let's wrap it up here with a little quick Jordan on the beat, and we'll get you out of here. Uh, as Bobby Skinner just brought up, frauds on the loose. That's in reference to a tweet I put out there calling GT Bobby Thompson. I believe that's his name. Whatever. Some, somebody I don't know. A reporter in Tampa who's got all this information, allegedly, on the Giants' searches and all this stuff. Really, okay, here's the thing. Once or twice a year, I slip. Not in that I don't believe what I said, but in that once or twice a year, right, you let other stuff get to you. You pull the trigger on a tweet or something. You know, I ignore. I mean, I, let's say I get each year thousands and th thousands, right? Thousands of people coming at you insults, this, that, things that bother you, thousands. So 99.99%, I'm able to ignore. Not comment, keep the Twitter fingers silent, don't fire back at people. But then once or twice a year, the adrenaline takes hold of you and you just can't help yourself. And you go and you do it. And you tweet out things like, you're a fraud or you're the biggest loser I've ever seen in my life. 
It doesn't mean I don't believe those things. Matter of fact, when you're in that state of anger or rage, the truth comes out. But I could do better than that. I don't, I shouldn't respond to these people. I shouldn't need even need to go out there. I shouldn't let it bother me that people are paying attention to reporters who aren't giving you, aren't talking to anyone or really having that information. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of hints and a lot of clues you could follow out there. And you can, and that'll lead you in the right direction. And you saw, and I know, trust me, I know a, a bunch of people, people with blue checks out there, reporters who I think that, and, and my instincts are usually really good with this stuff. My first instincts, that's, I believe, why I'm good at this job. My first instincts on most of these things are money. But don't comment. That's the moral of the story here. Hold, if you have to think about whether you should tweet something out, like when you have something queued up and you're about just finished typing, you have to think of whether it's a good idea to tweet it or not. The answer at that point, if you're even thinking about it, is always no. Don't tweet it out. So 99.99% of the time, I'm able to ignore the impulse to put it on the back burner, to not think about it, to not do it. But that's 0.0001% still comes out once or twice a year. It's a mistake because it does me no good. What does, what, what good does that do me? Do my bosses think any better of me if you put out, if you, if you go, if you start going at people? Like, does that help you? Does that help me in my career in any way, shape, or form? And I think the answer to that is no, which is why the tweet ultimately disappeared. I sat there and I thought about it. I said, what good? Does this do me? Now, it might do you good as a file, as, as somebody who's looking for Giants information or be help like being led astray of false information out there. But that's the problem. That's a battle I just can't win. I can't, it's your choice to know who to trust with information. I can't tell you who not to trust you. That's that's something, and and you should you should be a smart consumer and realize. If people are wrong and whiff on huge, big, important things, those are people you shouldn't go back to. Now, is everyone going to be wrong once in a while? Sure. But if you're not going to have a 99% hit rate in this business and you're going to be, and, and you are someone, I'm not mentioned to talk about anyone in particular here, that goes out there and you miss on the biggest of biggest things, then as a consumer, you should be smart enough. I shouldn't go, I'm not going to go back to them. They're selling me a crappy Product. So when I put out a list of the GM candidates before anyone even, you know, even knew who any GM candidates were, and the top two names on the list were Joe Shane and Ryan Poles, it's not an accident. It's because I'm doing the work behind the scenes. And I knew that they were going to be, I knew that they were going to be candidates. And when I put a list together of head coaching candidates and I put Brian Dayball, Brian Flores, Patrick Graham, on the list right before it was they were known candidates that wasn't an accident it's because i did the work behind the scenes and i know that they're going to be candidates i'm not just one of these people there's a lot of people out there that are just throwing stuff throwing names off the top of their head connecting dots consistently i'm trying to give you information and inside information that i know and that's my advantage on a lot of these people but you as a consumer must realize that my friends send me stuff all the time from stupid sources and I call it youporn.com backslash sports. Like basically, you know, some random site is saying something, reporting something, and they take it and people are taking it as fact. And it's like, 
how, how dumb are we as a society? How dumb are we as consumers? So it's on you to realize who you should and shouldn't trust based on the person's and individual's track record. And that's how you should judge it. Or maybe we should have a, we, we need a reporter check, you know, some, some sort of check rate on everybody. Hit rate. If we had a hit rate on every reporter, I think then we would be able to whittle out the frauds and the fakes, the phonies, and really the crappy bad reporters. Because there are a lot of them too. Now, have I been wrong? Of course. I don't think there's anyone who's going to be 100%. But I think my, my hit rate is high enough where you'll realize that my information is as good or better than anybody out there on this beat, on the Giants in general. Now, there's a lot of other people that are good, too. That'll be high on the list also. And that's what, you know, we're, we have professional pride. We're all battling against each other. We know it. And I respect a lot of these people. But there's also a lot of people I don't respect. Doesn't mean I should tweet about it and tell everybody about it specifically. And call them out. Doesn't do me any good. No need. So time out for me. Put myself in time out. Slap on the wrist. And move on to the next one. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, as always, like, subscribe. Tell your friends. Reach out to me. Email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You know where to find me. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time. Yeah.